Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Hey, I'm Chuck Nice. And I'm sitting here with Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. And, you know, we have a very special Star Talk All-Stars episode for you. And that is because what you're going to hear actually came out of the Star Talk All-Stars Leap Into Launch Party, which happened on February 29th a year ago. And I'm sitting here with Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. That was, that was a leap year. <laughs> See, I, uh, look at you. Look at you. Yeah, am I smart? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, a cool thing happened at the end of the party, uh, which was it was you. Mike Massimino is another good friend of yours. Dr. David Grinspoon, who is Dr. Funky Spoon. Funky Spoon on Twitter, yes. Funky Spoon on Twitter. And, and we all sat Mike down. Mike Massimino is Astro Mike. Astro on Mike on Twitter. Yeah. And we all sat down. And uh, we were drinking some drinks yeah. and just really talking about pretty much everything. Uh, Why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was a cool conversation. We talked about everything from what actually makes space travel, mm-hmm. which you had a very interesting um, um point of view because most of us uh, just kind of go up in the air and then we come back down. Mm-hmm. That's not really space travel. No, not, no, no, no. <laughs> and, and for me, even just going into Earth orbit is not space travel. Right, right. You're not really going anywhere. Right. You're driving around the block. <laughs> and you know how far it is to space, to where the space station is? It's about the distance from here to Washington, D.C. Really? Except straight up. It doesn't sound so impressive when you say it like that. That's but... what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so now you can look at a schoolroom globe and ask how high above a schoolroom globe is it? It's about three-eighths of an inch. So if you took three-eighths of an inch and you hovered a little model right above a schoolroom globe. That would be space, according to NASA and everybody's state of mind. Right. Well, wow, so we're barely even in the water on the on the beach. We're the kids on the on the shores, on the shores of the cosmic ocean. We are we are, we have we have barely touched the foam. So we yeah. So we kind of have a toe in the foam, and that's toe about in the it. foam. Not even all ten. Damn. Right. God. That's just the. That, so this is why I wrote a whole book called. Well, <laughs> I wrote a book with the title "Delusions of Space Enthusiasts." Right. Okay. No, no. The title was "Failure to Launch." Failure to Launch. And then they, the publisher said, "We can't have the word failure." Right. Don't right. put that in the title. Right. So they renamed it. But in there, I just talk about here's a reality check on everybody's uh, everybody's sense of what space is. So they renamed it "Space Chronicles: Facing the Ultimate Frontier." Right. But so I I, I tried to put a reality check on everybody's. Statement that they've made about space. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. So we talked about that. We talked about so many other things that, I mean, we just got into it. And basically, we were sitting around um, getting a little toasty and uh, shooting the crap. Chewing space fat. Chewing space fat. And so uh, now some of you may have already seen this on StarTalkAllAccess.com. For those of you who are unfamiliar with StarTalkAllAccess.com, it is a subscription service that allows you to see everything that we do commercial free. It also allows you to see what you're going to listen to right now, which is exclusive original content that you won't find anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And um, you can also, uh, once you subscribe, watch everything that we do on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. So it's a very cool service StarTalkAllAccess.com. You should subscribe and check it out. So if you want to know what it feels like to sit down and have a drink with an astronaut, an astrobiologist, and an astrophysicist who just happens to be the world's foremost science educator, 
and also some other dude. Uh, then this... <laughs> This is for you. And a comedian. Yeah, and a comedian. Yeah, and some comedian. Uh, this is for you. So uh, with that... Um, let's do this. Let's do this. All right, so we are here at the uh, Star Talk All-Stars party, and uh, I'm sitting right now with uh, the actual All-Star of All-Stars, which is our progenitor, and that would be Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> are you not? Thanks, Dad. <laughs> are you not? Are you not the progenitor of Star Talk, please? It sounds so mean, antiseptic. It, well, you know what? I don't want to call you Dad. <laughs> I got father issues. <laughs> No, here's the deal. Uh, so, you know, I thought it would be great to, uh, first of all, end with some entertainment. And that's why we have Dr. Funky Spoon here. Okay. And I also... That's his Twitter handle, Dr. That's his Dr. Funky yeah, this Spoon. This is David Grinspoon. Dr. David Grinspoon. Tweeting as Dr. Funky Spoon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, one of the people that helped uh, make the party good because they gave us some free alcohol... And that was the... Uh, <laughs> is that how that goes? How goes. <laughs> is that how we roll? So, so here's that the deal. Here, here's what I thought would be a great way to end. So we have uh, Ninkasi Brewing Company, uh, Ground Control, which is an imperial stout that they actually donated to us. And the great thing about this beer, maybe it's great, maybe it's not, I'm not sure. They took strains of yeast to outer space. They grew those strains of yeast in outer space, brought them back to Earth, and then brewed beer. Wait, wait, wait. So, Mike, was that on your mission? No, no. Did you brew beer? Is that why the Hubble telescope got messed up on no, your mission? Neil, you'd be really pissed at us if we were fooling around making that beer. That is so oh, right. So, no, we did not do that. It was not. Okay, let so the record show that your mission did not brew beer. We were busy helping out the astronomy world. Fixing the Hubble. Okay. So, one of the cool I, things. Where did this come from, man? What is this? Uh, what, what flight was it on? Where's their, where's their proof? You want some documentation. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, because you... I like the way Chuck says well, no. it. What, what, you want documentation? documentation? Exactly. <laughs> no. So here's the deal. The reason why I have you here is because oh. uh, allegedly there are only two things in this room that have been to outer space. Uh, uh -huh. This beer and you. All right. Okay. okay. And we can't drink you. <laughs> so that's why this is here. All right. <laughs> it's good beer, too. Okay, it's very, it's very dense. It's got like a Guinness kind of yeah. density yes. and viscosity to it. Hmm. It tastes good, and it works. <laughs> and it's got a sustained uh, bubbly head on top, okay. as a Guinness would. Right. This is a little sweeter than Guinness. Yeah. It has the bitter backdrop, but on the front end, there's a sweetness that cuts the bitterness in the way you might drop a touch of sugar into coffee. I don't know why, but I want to have sex with this beer now. <laughs> I'm not sure what the hell Neil is talking about, but I want to date this beer. Okay? So now the other... These, these are my tasting notes on the beer. That's all. So no, no, actually, everything you said was uh, actually spot on. And uh, in addition to the fact that of course, you being an astrophysicist, mm -hmm. you being an astronaut, mm -hmm. Dr. David Grinspoon is an astrobiologist and so all why you call him doctor and not us doctor you know because you know <laughs> he's dr funky spoon <laughs> so if you it's it, in his moniker that's right it's he's got a point he's got there a point you know, when you come up if with, i call dr degrasse then you be calling me dr degrasse. dr degrasse but it's not so, it's right. just neil degrasse so i thought it would be very cool if uh you know the fact that uh, all three of you tie into this that we were all here to close out our star talk all-stars party mm -hmm. And uh, uh, David's going to sing a little song uh, that, that kind of ties us all in, which is the Astrobiologist Blues. The Astrobiology Blues. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, blues is my favorite musical genre. Really? Yes. 
Yes. Hopefully it still wow. will be after the summer. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, like, I, I, I hate to disappoint you. But, uh, yeah. The beer might help. Yeah. By the way, just, just to get some of his resume on the table, yes. uh, he cut his teeth thinking about and writing about Venus. He's got a book. You can buy a book about Venus that he wrote. Yes. And Venus is like 900 degrees. Yes, right? it is. Ain't no life on Venus. So I don't know how he got from Venus to astrobiology. How did that happen? Well, it's a long story. Okay, but, uh, stop. But, uh, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I mean, Ve you, know, you know, Venus started out as, as, as just a fine planet like the rest of them, and something, something went wrong. Something so went bad on astrobiologists Venus. Astrobiologists really want to figure that one out. Yeah, know? yeah, okay. All don't right. let this happen to your planet. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. This has a runaway greenhouse effect. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you something quick about Venus? Go ahead. I once calculated how long it would take to cook a 16-inch pepperoni pizza just sticking it out on the windowsill on Venus. Just right. And I, and I got nine seconds. Wow. Right, because of how high the temperature is yeah. and how dense the atmosphere is. That almost seems long. Well, well, so here's what I'm saying. Yeah. So here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. So at 100 times the atmospheric pressure, nearly 100 times, right. it would have, it would, the molecules would be imparting heat to the pizza faster than they would on Earth yeah. just because of the air pressure. Forget the temperature. Right. Just right. because of the air pressure. Right. You add the higher temperature, 900 degrees, it's like hotter than a pizza oven. Yes. This would cook the pizza yeah. just put it on a windowsill. Nine I'm seconds? All, I'm all proud of this. So I, put, I tweeted, nine seconds. Okay? Then Nathan Mirvold called me out. This is a <laughs> physicist turned chef. <laughs> yes. He, he took all the laboratory equipment that he's in a chemist and physicist's lab and brought it into his kitchen. And so now when he cools food, he brings it down to like liquid nitrogen temperature. Or when he cuts food, he'll cut one, he'll use a microtome, which cuts one cell layered thick of food that it, it, it evaporates on your tongue when it tastes. Wow. So okay. he's I'm got not, a whole- I'm not gonna lie, he sounds like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got a whole- You're not running, you're not running to that Yeah, I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm not going to that I'm restaurant. Not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to eat at his place. <laughs> like, yeah. so, you're endorsing the beer, yeah. not- uh, <laughs> Well, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. So I thought I was badass coming up with the nine seconds. He said, uh, you left out a factor in your calculation, and that is the radiative the radiative effect of the atmosphere oh, yeah. itself. Okay. Because the, 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 the atmosphere is at a temperature, mm -hmm. so it's not simply the movement of the molecules of the air. It is radiating infrared photons at the pizza, in addition yeah. to the molecules hitting. Right. This is why when someone walks between you and a fire, you instantly you're, you're feel cooler. cooler. Right, you're cooler. Yeah. It's not that the air changes temperature in a fraction of a second. No. The photons, they're blocking, infrared photons, are, are getting blocked by, right. by the person who walked between you and the fire. Right. Okay, yeah. so if you add that in, takes two seconds to cook the pizza. All right, so now here's what I'm going to way off. This, this is what I'm going to, wait, was, <laughs> your entire story just confirmed he's a dick. What? <laughs> no, no, what he did was... No, I'm sorry. No, I think that's actually fascinating. What? Well, what he did was, I mean, what, what's fun? If I love being corrected by more science. Oh, yo, that's nice. That is just... Because I'll put in everything I know. Right. And obviously... I want what I did to be correct, even if it's incomplete. So my calculation is correct, but it's missing this other part that he put in, and, and so I was wrong. Well, I see, that's what makes you a scientist and not a Republican. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> not a I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not a dick. Right. And not a dick. <laughs> not a dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican, the first Republican president, just uh, FYI. 
Oh, they switched out. Okay, exactly. Yeah, okay. I was going to say that the there's years. a there's a history there, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. So. Right, let, let me hear some blues. So here's the deal. We uh we Wait, have. Did we finish talking about the yeast and the beer? So no, I'm wondering. But let me ask. So what is it? What is what does it matter, sir, yeah. Mister Astronaut Dude, yeah. the only man who's like been weightless <laughs> orbiting Wait, one, the Earth? One, one of 547 <laughs> people. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Uh, uh, only That's five. The astronaut club. Only 547 Apparently. people have actually been. To outer space. We're not talking about the pilots who get in the atmosphere. Yeah, people They're still in the atmosphere. Orbiting Earth. Orbiting well, Earth. No, is it orbit or is it just going to space? Well, no, going to space. X-15 guys. Yeah, okay. Well, the X-15 miles. guys, no, they're part yeah, of it. The, the, uh, and, and, and Scott Carpenter. Scott Carpenter. Scott Carpenter. Right. And, uh, suborbital. And uh, even Alan Shepard. Right. Okay. So those guys are part of it because they're out of the atmosphere. That's all right, the, all right. Out okay. of the atmosphere, you've been in space. Yeah, but if Earth had no... Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 in principle, I don't have a problem with that, except if the atmosphere were thinner, then being in space would be a little closer to Earth. If we had half the atmospheric pressure we do, right. then being in space would be at 50 kilometers or just 30 miles up. Mm -hmm. If it had a tenth, the ad, then it would be six miles up. Mm -hmm. If we had a hundredth, it would be... Uh, six tenths of one mile up. Did I do the math on that? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, close enough, close enough. If we had no atmosphere... We'd be here right now. But We'd all be astronauts. Right. So this. And if I had a million dollars and I was a better lover, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. <laughs> okay. So, so. That sounds like another show. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, have, we reserve that. We need to go there. Call in the Not right now. Right now. Right. Not right now. <laughs> so, so I, that's why I want to think of space yep. as those who have achieved orbit. Okay, which, do me a favor. Wait, right. wait, wait. Which, which is a definition independent of the atmospheric pressure here on this planet. Okay, that's that's actually a very yeah, good... This is cool. That's a qualifying statement, and I like it. One more. In space. What is it, what is, do we have a minimum altitude to retain orbit? Is there a... Well, you don't want... Otherwise, the atmosphere burns, you know, messes so with where, you. So where are we... So, no, in principle, I don't know why you can't do orbit 100 miles up. What's what that? We're all in space. Ooh. Ah, uh, there's we're Carter Emmert. Carter Emmert uh, letting us know the real deal. We're all in space <laughs> all the time. It might be to see the lowest altitude orbit we've had with the shuttle. It could be sustained. It's pretty low. Yeah, yeah. So you are one of 533 people who have actually have been, orbited. Orbited, yeah. uh, been, been in space, yeah. according to Neil deGrasse Tyson. You have... One of five hundred. My definition right, of space. It's an interesting definition. You're going to cut out a few people. But yeah, I understand that, but it's tough. It's tough. Okay. Yeah. So, so here's my point. So. Let me ask you, if you if you breed uh, yeast in space, it's yeah. just breeding at zero G. Is there anything that you think would be different in space? There's a higher radiation. Oh, uh, the, yeah, but probably whether if they, uh, it'd be interesting to see how they did this. If it was exposed, if it was, uh, it probably was not outside. It was. Pro I don't know. I'm guessing it might have been on a space station flight. I don't know where they. Yeah, okay. Where right. they got this? Mm -hmm. So I don't know enough about yeast. Does yeast grow like a? What is it? Is it a plant? Because I know we've grown, we've grown plants. What what the heck is yeast? Okay. So what is? You have no idea what you're talking about. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> 
What is it? When you grow yeast, how do you grow yeast? It's like a. Well, let me ask you a different not, question. It's more. It's not a growing plant, is well, it? Well, you're the astrobiologist. Is it? It's because it's a plant. It's like a, a plant. Kind of plant. Okay, so for yeah. plants, for example, well, we have forty percent of our DNA identical with that of yeast, don't we? But it, but it grows. Is it, that it, for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it grows, what would be interesting is that that's it, why yeast it grows a, on our bodies. It's does just it have a heavy? Does it have happy. a heavy stalk or anything? No, it, okay, it's very. It's physically very simple. It's okay, so if it, but it grows, you'll see. What yeah. do you see? You see like a plant. I mean, it's help just, me out here. It's just cells. It's just a mass of cells. Oh, sorry, so it's not really like it's not like a sunflower. Very little structure. No. Okay, no. right. So that's just simple. Or simple. So I don't. I don't think it would grow. The yeast consumes sugar because rise and women very uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> Somebody had to go there. You know what? Somebody. You can boo me all you want, but I didn't say anything and you got exactly what I was talking about. So I would think it grows, I think it sounds like a little experiment that would grow the same way. If it was a, a plant, like growing a plant, like a, 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 a sunflower. Sunflowers have been grown in space. So a sunflower on the earth has a big stalk. It's really, really large. It doesn't need all that strength in space. It doesn't need that to hold itself up. So it grows with a very thin stalk and it kind of winds itself around. It's very interesting. But I'm, I'm thinking the okay. yeast is probably so yeast. not much different. So, so it might be kind of a gimmick, but it's good beer. It's good beer. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what it would mean. <laughs> it get more radiation. Yeah, a more radiation. But so these are yeasts that are... The yeast in here have their lives traceable to yeast that were created in space. Yes. yes. From yeast that was originally from Earth. Right. From Earth's surface. Right. I think it's a novelty. It's a novelty. But it's not going to give, give it to them as a novelty, yeah. for sure. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think they actually admit that it was a novelty because they say that uh, the reason why they did the entire uh, the, the entire novelty, the, the experiment, whatever you want to call it, is because they want to show people that they're about exploration. Okay. It's That's all nice. about exploration. That's a good thing. So that, that was the entire marketing goal. Who are these guys? Are you these know? friends of yours or something? No, I don't know them at all. Come, really? No. And they just gave us free beer. Just and then stocking all it is? Yeah. We're easy. <laughs> we're in the street. We're really easy. Yeah, we're yeah, we're just free easy. beer, man. Right. Free That's beer. what it takes. Right, exactly. And we'll do a whole freaking exactly. show on your product. I just murdered my mother because I wanted to Hey, drink really this and you'll easier. be in space, man. So, all right, all right, let's let's so so this is the world premiere. Of of the astrobiologist blues written by Chuck uh, Nicewitz. No one was supposed to know that part. Well, but I I co co wrote it to some degree. Okay, good. So you messed around with it. That's I great. messed around with it, but really the That's inspiration is messed from, around by messed around by uh -huh. Doctor Funkus Spoon. All right, what's the name of this again? This is the, uh, the astrobiologist, astrobiologist blues. blues. All right, all right, let's All do right. It. So it's going to be interesting. We're it goes astrobiology. I bet something like this. Everywhere that I go, it's dark. What do you do? Well, I look for life in the cosmos. Maybe that life's looking for you. Are we alone? Maybe, but not for long. Well, I got those astrobiologist blues. That's why I 
sing this song When the aliens come Will they come in peace? <laughs> or will they make us their pets? And put us all on a leash? Oh, are we alone? <laughs> Maybe, but not for long Well, I got those astrobiologist blues And that's why I sing this song Gotta take care of this planet Yes, sir Cause it's all we got Yes, sir Talk to me No, we can't move to Venus no, we Because can't. you know it's too damn hot Oh, are we alone? <laughs> I can't tell you without a doubt How are you gonna tell me, then? Well, are we alone? I don't know But I'll tell you how we're gonna find out Tell you how we're gonna find out Well, we've got to explore all the potentially habitable planets in the solar system Anywhere where there is or was liquid water, energy, organic molecules This includes the clouds of Venus, the subsurface of Mars, the oceans of Jupiter's moon Europa, Saturn's moons, Titan and Enceladus And even a possible interior ocean of Pluto Meanwhile, we need to search... 100 billion exoplanets in the Milky Way galaxy for signs of life. In order to do this, we'll need to develop the next generation of space telescopes and spectrometers so we can examine those alien atmospheres and search for the chemistry produced by life forms interacting with their environments. These new instruments will not be inexpensive, but they may allow us to finally answer the age-old haunting question, are we alone? So in short, kids, if you want to know if there are any aliens, write to your congressperson and tell them to increase funding for astrobiology. Thank you. <laughs> Dang! That was great, man. Oh, yeah, man. That was awesome. You wrote all that. No, let me tell you something. You wrote that thing. I am pretty sure that everyone can tell exactly which part I wrote. <laughs> and which part I didn't. That was awesome. No, that was great. You been rehearsing a lot or what? Uh, yeah. No, was just Come on, that's the funky spoon. That is that's the funky spoon. And Chuck Nice. Yo, good shit, man. That's awesome. My man, that was fantastic. That was this, is a this is a lot of fun. <laughs> you know what this, this one does? Start to all stars is all about a lot cool. of fun. Uh, and and Mike, thanks for coming over. You were you were oh, the intrepid earlier. I was I had an event? You have to share there. you with your job you every know? once in a while. You got to do something else, but I'm really glad I got to be here. And yeah, and intrepid, the World War II awesome. aircraft carrier yeah. parked yeah. on the side of Manhattan that has the Enterprise the Enterprise uh, <laughs> shuttle is there. Shuttle. Uh -huh. A lot of great other things uh, going on. So. I was over there early, but uh, really yeah. happy I got a chance to be here and see you guys. It's thanks great. for coming yeah. over. Oh, thanks for having me. A pleasure. And, and just yeah. to, to people remember, you were the first person to tweet from space. I was. Yeah, yep. yeah. I was. And and and, and so in 1969, Neil Armstrong said, "One small step for man." Yeah. And your first tweet from space was what? Not as good. <laughs> <laughs> they actually they made fun of me on Saturday Night Live. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, because I said I said launch was awesome. 
And on Saturday, that's what you said. I said launch, and I said some other things too. But on Saturday Night Live, that weekend while I was in space, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You're on, you're on a three hundred million dollar spaceship in orbit. The taxpayers put you up there, and you pull out. It's what it costs. <laughs> Jesus. And the first ever historic <laughs> tweet. What you say? Yeah. Like, I just needed a ride. <laughs> I just that's needed expensive. a ride. Right, so, so you said this was awesome. The launch was awesome. I said launch was awesome. Uh, I'm feeling great. Uh, the adventure of a lifetime has begun. I wanted the people of Earth to know I was feeling great. I uh, thought by that the was way, important. that is not a bad tweet. That's not. No, bad. It wasn't bad, but they made fun of it. Look, it was good. They made fun of it on Saturday. They go in forty years. It was his twentieth anniversary. You you uh, hosted the celebration. Oh, I we did. had in Washington. Yes, that? yes, that was awesome. The, and all those guys were alive back the then. The Irvine Hazy Center. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, I'm thinking of the one at the oh, main. The, the, the one in, at the main. Wait a minute. It was the 40th anniversary of the oh, Apollo the of, the, of, of, of Apollo. I was like 11. MC of that event. It was awesome. Yeah, right? we yeah. had just come back. Not, when I was, not, they said for 40 years we've gone from. We had to stop. Are we recording anymore? No, we're they still recording. It was, it was one small. We've gone from one small step to uh, you know one small step for man, mankind, one giant leap for mankind. mankind. We've gone, and this is leap day. By the way, yes, so it it's is. like Today, a giant today, leap. right now where we're taking giant leap right. and and we've gone in forty years ago from that to launch was awesome. If this guy ever meets aliens, this is how we'll find out about it. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> dudes, look, aliens. <laughs> they made fun up. of me. So anyway, but here's here's my my kids started tweet. paying attention to that's the flight. So it was good. No, it wasn't bad. So it was now good. here's I what I want to know because you. Uh, are in this club of people who are part of this We're very fortunate and, people. And We're very fortunate. A very people. esoteric group. That quote: "One small step for man. Yeah. One giant leap for mankind. Yeah. Was that indeed pre-written, predetermined? I asked him that. I asked him that. I asked him that. I just want to know. I mean, first of all, let's remind everyone who him is. I asked him. What's that? Uh, Neil Armstrong, the man, yeah. the first man on the moon. I, and when I, he came and spoke to our astronaut class yes. our first week at NASA. Yes. And it just so happened around the like the little buffet thing we had there, he's standing next to me, my, my big hero. Oh, I, by I, accident. Yeah, right. By accident. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. he's standing next to me, and I asked him about that. When did you think? Because I thought, did you, you, know, did you hire it, uh, hire a publicist? When did you come on? He said he didn't think about it until after the landing because he wasn't sure if they were going to make it. And he didn't want to think about anything before the landing. And he worried about that. He thought about that after they landed. Think about that. Yeah, but Those guys were not sure they were going to make it. In fact, the first three Apollos, right, Neil? The first three were all the same flight because they didn't know if the first guys were going to make it. So they once they made it, then Apollo 12, they so came up came with a different... came up with that after they landed on the moon. On the moon, he came up with that. He wasn't okay. going to think about I'm anything... Impressed. Except but except for the landing. That's badass. Well, that's that is badass. badass. That's that man badass. is badass. I'm impressed. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean they barely made it as it was. One of the most amazing right? guys so. ever. <laughs> yeah. Really is, and you yeah. know, just a super uh, amazing pilot, amazing person. Anyway, so, so you asked me that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really not really like that. Did I tell you that? We were, did you know him? I mean, he must. Well, have. maybe we were like that. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> but you did the you did their big 40th celebration. Yeah, yeah. He no, died not that long after. Not that long after. Years after. I first met him in 1973. Wow, where were, we, where were you? In, you mean, you're in. You're what? In, well, now you're, you're in high school, man. Yeah. Now you want to know. You were like a little kid. <laughs> He's the man. Actually, you a, were a little kid. Neil Armstrong, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I met him. Neil, like, hey, man. My, I met him. At, my name's Neil too. I met him at the bar yeah. <laughs> of the SS Canberra, the fourth largest ocean liner in the world, wow. which was retooled uh. to become a floating science laboratory. To go from New York yeah. to the coast of Northwest Africa to observe on June 30th a seven-minute-long total solar eclipse. Wow. And I was on that ship at age four, um, 
was that? 23. I was 14. Yeah. I lied and told everyone I was 16. And I had my own telescope. You're by yourself? You're by myself. With you. Well, there was 1,800 other people. No, but not your parents. No, my parents were there. I was alone. Wow. I was alone. And I had my own telescope. And during the eclipse, it awesome. is a forest of telescope tripods on the deck after they'd taken off all the, the shuffle boards and yeah, everything, yeah. All right. and the lawn chairs and everything, that were the whatever, the deck chairs. And so he was one of the sort of celebrities Neil was there, brought onto man. the ship. And I hadn't fully appreciated He had just freaking, like the Apollo yeah. thing yeah. had just ended in 1972. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so, but he was there. No one was hounding him or anything. Yeah. And, and I just I got him to sign my my yeah. little little uh, you know the the brochure for yeah. the trip, and so that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Amazing, yeah. amazing. And, and so it turns out his son, who's my yes. age, was yeah. on the ship at the time. Oh, cool. And now I'm yeah. friends with his son. Um, so yeah, nice so, so I had a few. I mean, we we met yeah. a few times. I mean, yeah. so. When, I'm exaggerating yeah. when I say we were like that. We were really like that. No, but still, I mean, getting an encounter with him at, at that sort of age. Yeah. He was and did it, that man. inspire For those you are, in some way? No, I was already. I'm on, a, I'm on a freaking eclipse cruise. He's <laughs> on a freaking cruise with a telescope. Now I'm going to be interested in the universe? <laughs> I mean, even if I'm on a cruise at 14. Hey, well, let me ask you then. When, <laughs> when exactly did, I want to know, okay, uh, because the way I, uh, you know, you and I did a thing on CBS this morning, and I said the reason why I like Neil uh, deGrasse Tyson is because he talks about the universe the way I talk about sex. And, <laughs> and I'm serious. I'm not even joking. That, that's so what? Well, that's funny. Because I was once explain it. Because I was once on John Stewart and I was talking about Mars and I was talking about at at some time in its past it it was clearly sort of wet and fertile and might have had life. <laughs> I'm using these terms. And then John Stewart said, why is it that when you talk about the universe, I get horny? Right. <laughs> so that was... Exactly. Is that what's happening? Well, what, what what, well, I don't know if I'm getting horny, you know. But then yeah. again, honestly... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. <laughs>exactly was the moment if you can actually call it down to a moment oh yeah uh, and i want to know this from each one of you what exactly was the moment for you personally when you knew my god this is it that's not exactly what i said at the time but yes <laughs> okay <laughs> no, i just didn't say my god that's not the, we're not the I, worst i, yeah. I got it well, okay, i was nine years old right and what did you say i was, I was nine yeah and I didn't say anything because I was in the darkened silence mm -hmm. of the Hayden Planetarium. Wow. The show was unfolding. Wow. And the, the lights dimmed, the stars came out, and I thought it was a hoax. Really? I, I had seen all 12 stars from the Bronx where, yeah. I, where I grew up, and there was nice. way too many stars to match yeah. up. Nice. It's a nice hoax, though. Let me, I'll yeah. go along with it. And at that moment, I was starstruck. I have no other way to say it. And I said, is this a thing? This is, one could do this? Is this a, and it would take two years. By age 11, I had an answer to that question that adults always ask children, that annoying question. What do you want to be, be when, when you, you grow, grow up? Oh, yeah. I said astrophysicist. That kind of shut him up like that. Right? Because it's usually, I want to be a doctor. Oh, Aunt Matilda's a doctor. You know, I say an yeah, astrophysicist. Right, yeah. Nobody knew that. That was, the that end was it. it. That was it. That Only was it. one in the family. So, so I think... The universe chose me. 
because I was helpless well, you know, that, that, in the presence of this silent darkness. The universe grabbed me, and I've known no other pursuit since. You know what? If I was 11 years old, there now. All I'm gonna say is this: amazing. Oh yeah, now I was 11 years old, the universe grabbed me. I would have called child. Show <laughs> 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 me on the doll. That's a different with a bad God. universe. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's no good. All right, so now wait. Wait, wait, so now I'm director of the place. Wait, what's it? That's right. It's, it's a story. Amazing. Oh, it's, it's it plays amazing well in story. small towns. New York people don't care. That's not what you're talking about. I say, I was a kid, I was in, everyone no, went to the... here in New York. Everybody right. went no, to the... you're wrong, you're wrong. I don't wrong. give a crap, Sorry, I'm, you're wrong. I'm you're glad wrong. I got you're to hear the right, story. So now, wait a minute, that's a great story. That this is awesome. Great. All right, so now, wait a minute, we got right, two awesome more stories. Story. We got two more stories, then we're going to wrap it up. But seriously, because that was, that was fantastic, and I think it's really great for people to hear the fact that, and, and I believe this, everyone knows the way you knew. Everyone knows. It's just that something seminal must happen to push you in that direction, but everyone knows, and what normally happens is, you tell somebody, and they go, man, you out your mouth. Right. So now. So just a minute, just, just to put closure on this. Okay. Even though my last sentence sounded like closure, I, have, I can close it even better. Okay. To this day, when I walk into my office, I have. Hey, where'd you learn to whisper in a helicopter? <laughs> We're doing a Show over here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. To this day, to this day. To every this day, day I walk into my office, I have a duty and an obligation, and it is my honor to have both of those operating simultaneously to serve the next generation who walk through those doors the way the educators and scientists served me. Nice. Oh, man. Yo, man, that's yo, that's a nice that's button it. to put on that. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's a mission. That's all so, I'm saying. So what you're saying is the inspiration uh, drove you to a mission. I mean, seriously. That's, that's all I'm what saying. Happened. That's amazing. That's all I'm saying. That's, I, all right, so now, okay. Astrobiology. By the way, by the way, my story is not uncommon among my colleagues. We're FYI. Gonna, we're gonna find that out right now. Okay. That's why <laughs> that's why you have that's why you have like amateur astronomy groups that have like kids that are part of it. Okay? There are no other amateur lawyer groups. I don't think so. Amateur <laughs> neurosurgeons? No. No. Amateur astronomy no, are like right. experts in the night sky, I, and it's all ages, and we're all part of it. Am I lying? If I'm not dying. But this right. is my point. Yeah. What you just said right there, okay? The fact is, we're sitting here with, uh, there are four people here. Three of us have extraordinary jobs. And... Uh, we know who they who are. you're leaving out, man. <laughs> hey, my job's not no, so bad either. Not, and we know who they are. <laughs> who are you leaving out? You're not leaving three, out you, are you? Three of us have extraordinary jobs. So now what just I want to know... Just because I don't live in New York? So here's my point. So, boom, that's one story. Astronaut, astrobiologist. How did that happen? Comedian. I mean, but you, you followed a dream too, man. You know what? It was a little different. Chuck, different I don't want to live in a world, certainly not a country, where there aren't comedians yeah. who, who have committed their lives to making others laugh. Well, that makes one of us. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. I'm joking. Okay. So, no, I want to know this because it's important. Astronaut, how did yeah. that journey happen? I, think when I, was, cool. I was six years old when they walked on the moon. Right, almost seven. There you go. April, uh, July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine. To build up to that, I can remember. Yep. You know, the, I remember Apollo ten going down low and not, not landing on the moon. 
but Apollo 11, watch wait, it. Wait, 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 that deserves some statement. A, Apollo okay. 10 That's right. went to the moon. Correct. Deployed the, the, the Luna module. Luna module. The Luna module went down towards the surface, right. hovered, and then went back up and came right. back to Earth. Right. And I would have said, and and I, you know what I would have done? Landed. I said, I said, Houston, I can't hear you. <laughs> Houston, <laughs> Houston. Okay, we should land, right? Right. See, I, I don't know that I would have been a good law-abiding astronaut. Think they put fuel in the ascent stage on that one? <laughs> you guys are stuck there now. That was right. a very I don't good. Know. That was good. Very good astronaut <laughs> joke. Yeah, it was. That was good. You know what I mean? Fuel in the ascent I stage. Wish, I, yes. I wish we had oh, no, time. you got to get off. That, that was a very good astronaut. And this that was, was a good astronaut. This is part of the deal with Neil Armstrong. They had to come back. You know, they landed. Same thing with Mars. Mm -hmm. You go, you got to come back. Coming right. back was not. Is another launch. Something else is going wrong. Engine don't work. You're in trouble. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So Apollo 10. And Apollo 8, when they first orbited the moon, Apollo 10, when they almost landed, but there was no plan to do that. And then Apollo 11 was the big mission. And I remember seeing that on my TV set and looking outside in my front yard and looking at them. I mean, when you saw it on TV, Neil, you can remember this. You guys may be too young for this. But when you saw that, when you saw that on TV and you walked outside. On a 12-inch black and white TV. Little black and white TV. Black and white TVs, right? That's what it was. And it was that... I guess the the uh, the EVA was probably around 9:30. Was was nighttime, close to extra bedtime. vehicular activity. The space, the moonwalk. <laughs> moonwalk. Thank you. They they launch. You know they the moonwalk that precedes Michael Jackson's moonwalk. Right. Yes, okay. And I've seen you do the other moonwalk at that moon at that moon ceremony. I had 12 new moonwalkers was, in the audience. I got a moonwalk. Really good. It was really good. Yeah, I can 12 do. 12 of them there. I had almost like every, dudes. all the living ones were there. All, yeah. there. all right. So, but but I remember going outside. Uh, on and looking at the moon and saying there are people up there. Nice. And I love those guys. Oh my God. Those are Neil Armstrong and Mike oh. Mike Collins and Buzz Aldrin and all those astronauts from that era were my heroes. And I said I want to be one of those guys. And nice. so it's interesting, you know. I I, I you know I, I remember coming to the Hayden Planetarium as well when I was a little kid. My parents taking me in there. I grew up in Long Island, but for me, I wanted I, I wanted to be one of those people. I wanted to be one of those guys, and I had no idea how that was going to happen. I was just a little kid on Long Island, no idea, but I thought they were they were it. That's fantastic. So, man. all right, this is our last story. Funky Spoon. Funky Spoon, astrobiologist. Yeah, well, um, similar to to uh, what Mike said, actually, my earliest vivid memory. Actually, I mean, I, I have other early memories, but my earliest really vivid memory is Apollo 11 landing. And my parents let me stay up real late, which probably was partly half of what was as exciting as, but um, the black and white TV and seeing these guys walking on the moon, that to me was, I think, really a life-changing experience. It was so exciting and it was real. It wasn't fiction. It was this adventurous, uh, amazing a groundbreaking journey, and even at that at that age, I, I was in fourth grade, um, I guess, and 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 I really just my mind was blown by that. I mean, I'm definitely a child of Apollo, and that I think set me on my life course. I became really caught up in the romance of space exploration. I was really enthralled by the early planetary missions, the first missions to Venus, the first orbiters on Mars, seeing those pictures come back. Um, now, I had kind of an unusual upbringing, actually. My dad's best friend when I was a kid was Carl Sagan. And so Uncle Carl 
Wait a minute. Yeah. Your dad's best friend was Carl Sagan? Yeah, okay, they, were, a big, they, were, they were both Harvard professors. Wait, and, and wait a minute. And, you started this story with a moon landing? Well, but <laughs> no, it started from the moon landing. But, they, but then the fact that Uncle Carl was involved in these really... This was before he was famous. He was Uncle Carl, this really cool guy, you know? And he would come over with, like, the latest pictures of... Um, you know, the, of, of Mar- billions Mariner and 9. Billions of nephews. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and he he was doing this really cool stuff. And then and then also I got really into science fiction. And I think in my young mind, I didn't really differentiate between like 2001 and, you know, the, the space fiction and the real space stuff. It was all just exciting, romantic stuff. And it was the future. 2001, and, A Space Odyssey, the film. The film. It was all what we were going to be doing in the future. And we were going to be, you know, that was what it was going to be like. And now here we are in the future. And we're not sending people to Jupiter yet, but I've been able to be involved in spacecraft exploration of the other planets. And for me, that feels in a very real way like I've been able to, in a sense, go into space. We were talking about this with Carter Emmert from the from the museum who does the, the astro-visualization where even those of us who haven't... Has Carter been, been on here yet? Yeah. Carter... It's fantastic. Carter does for that next generation what others... What his counterparts did back when I went. So yeah, yeah. I could sit here yeah. with the title of director, but we got people actually oh make this God, stuff. You're absolutely right. I yeah. didn't even realize that. So those of us oh, who haven't oh, man, you been into okay. space like you, I feel it's like we've participated in this way that's becoming more and more real because we can visualize it in 3D. We send the machines out. They send back the... Mm-hmm. Not that... I mean, I still think there's a role I want people to go to Mars and stuff, but I also think it's really cool that more and more of us are participating in this way that we're being able to actually, in some sensory way, experience it. And that, to me, that's very real. I do feel like I have, in a way, been able to participate and go into space. Part part of my brain's been there, even if my body hasn't been. Let's hear it for space. uh, Yeah, let's hear it for space. Hey, Chuck Nice here. You're listening to an extended episode of Star Talk. Welcome, people. Welcome. Uh, thank you all for attending uh, the Star Talk Saturnalia party. Uh, we are so very pleased to have you here. What we're going to do right now is very cool. Normally, uh, we just have a party, but today we're just going to have a show as well. We have all of our patrons from Patreon. A round of applause for those who support us through Patreon. I hold in my hand right here the Patreon Cosmic Queries mic. And what we are going to do is ask the all-stars that are a part of uh, this uh, part of our festivities to come forward. Uh, That is Heather Berlin, ladies and gentlemen. Neuroscientist Heather Berlin, uh, Dr. David Grinspoon, better known as Dr. Funky Spoon, and Natalia Reagan, uh, who is a primatologist and a all-star and and our very own rock star, uh, the author of Black Hole Blues. I'm talking about uh, one of the founding members of Pioneer Works, and that is Jana Levin. Jana Levin, please. Okay, and finally, uh, the man who is responsible for all of this, uh, I like to call him our fearless leader. Um, I have to say that uh, since last year this time, I don't know what he's been doing, but he's actually tucking his shirts in again. 
My man is trimming down and looking good. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson! And what we're going to do right now, uh, guys, is going to ask any of you who are Patreon patrons uh, to come over to the Patreon Cosmic Queries microphone, and you are able to ask a question to any of the scientists specifically, or if you would just like to ask a general inquiry and uh, the scientists can decide uh, who would like to field that question. And we have everything covered here from primatology to theoretical physics to neuroscience to astrobiology and to pretty much anything you want to know. Here's the best thing about this particular Cosmic Queries. Uh, people get to say their own names instead of having me butcher their names. So there you go. All right, thank you, Chuck. My name's Kyle Toth, and my question's pretty simple and straightforward. You guys all make science awesome, and I love that. I love science, I've always loved science. How does one go about getting into a job or a career where you can communicate science as a living? Wow, what a good question. How, and Ooh. was that your goal, anybody, to, to actually be a science communicator? Because all of you Ooh. are science communicators. What a great question, Kyle. Yeah, why don't you, why don't you take that? No, 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 I want, um, uh, David? Natalia? Natalia, Natalia. Yeah, uh, uh, well, um, so before I became a scientist, I'm a primatologist, anthropologist. I was an actress and a, and a comedian. Uh, but I always wanted to become a scientist. I just didn't think I had it in me. And it wasn't until I actually got hit by a truck when I was 25 that made me realize, what are you doing? And so when I went back to school... You were literally hit by a truck. I was hit by a truck okay. on the shoulder of the 101 freeway, if you guys are familiar. <laughs> Is that what you're advising him to do? Yeah, don't, uh, I, don't get hit by a 94 Ford Ranger. Aim for something a little smaller, like a smart car or something like that. That's what I would say. Uh, but yeah, so when, I, when that happened, it kind of was a wake-up call, and I went back to school. But while I was in school, I, I realized that uh, so many people were interested in science. I'd go to parties, and I'd tell them I'm studying anthropology, and they were like, whoa, that's so cool. We know nothing. What is anthropology? And, and it was only then that I realized these, this really needs to get out there, and how can we do that? Well, for me, like the Muppet Show and, and, and Sesame Street uh, used comedy to get it out there. And so I felt like that's the best way for me to do it. And so um, the, I started kind of pitching shows and everyone kept telling me, no, science comedy, too weird. So what I did is I just started making my own. So sometimes it really is just getting out there, making your own little you know, vlogs or YouTube video series or even your own podcast. All right, thank you, Kyle. Um uh, and you, sir, please step to the mic. Tell us your name and your question. My name is Joel Cherico, and I'm a potter. And I want to thank Star Talk for throwing this awesome party and uh, for all your Patreon supporters and all the free wine. And uh, so my question is, it's related to the search for life in our solar system, but it's about Neil's favorite painting. Do you guys know what it is? Starry Night. The Starry Night. The Starry Night. By Vincent oh. van Gogh. Yeah. Um, and it has this kind of wow factor where most people who see it think it's just beautiful. Like you can feel it in your gut. Um, and in the search for life in our solar system, wh I'm wondering what might give people that similar type of feeling. Like I know finding microbes on Mars and whether or not they have DNA is like, I mean, that'd be cool, but it's, uh, and I don't understand why it's important, but what discoveries might in our solar system might have a more natural visually beautiful feeling like that wow factor funky spoon give me funky spoon it's a good question it's because when you st when you started i was thinking well what are you talking about the the discovery of 
anything, Microbe on Mars would give me that total shiver in my spine like nothing ever, no, nothing ever has. But then I, th I think I hear what you're saying in terms of you're asking specifically what could we find that visually like most people would show up on the visually. cover of, of the New York Times or the Evening News and you'd see it and go, oh my God. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I saw so the Starry Night in New York City here, and it's I, the most amazing thing was the p way people reacted to it. It was cr people crowded around, everybody's cell phones out, and like what in our solar system would get people that excited, and was right. it a visual so, thing? So we want something, um, either something macroscopic, right, so that you could actually, you know, like a stromatolite, a, a form that was created by microbes, but that, we, you know, that you could visually with your eyes see that this was the product of something not geological, but biological. Although maybe even, a, I think even a microscope picture of something, something that looked like a cell, something that, that looked alive. I mean, biological forms are very distinctive. Mostly, I mean, we get fooled sometimes, but you know they have these sort of often these what we call fractal shapes, self similarity because of the way life sort of builds on itself. So I think that um, you know, like the, uh, they say about the test for pornography, we'll know it when we see it, and people have said that that's true about astrobiology as well, about life, even though we can't define it rigorously because we don't have other examples. I think that when we find life and actually get to see its forms, it will look amazing. We will recognize it. There's something about life that will recognize life. So I would say almost anything, if we can get a picture of another organism or of a pattern that is formed by an organism on Mars, on Europa, on Enceladus, on Titan, um, I think that the first time we have visual evidence of that, it's going to have that effect that you're talking about where people are going to look at it and get that, you know, the hair on the back of your neck standing up and just going, wow, you know, this is something that changes my world just from seeing it. There you go. Your answer, microbes doing the nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Please step forward. Okay, <clears throat> your name, sir? My name is Andy Green. I'm a computer guy. Okay, Andy. I just want the record to show officially in honor of tonight's address. I missed Macy. That my oh, shirt, yeah. mm -hmm. thank you. Mm -hmm. um, all right, now that that's out of the way. So uh, I asked this question last year, and I asked it terribly. It's horrible, and I've had a whole year to think about it. So I'm going to try it again. Uh, Jana, Just, just think how good year, it'll be next year. Uh, she, she, last year, she did an awesome job of trying to explain it to me, but my head and my brain is way too small. I think we spent like an hour talking yeah, about it. Yeah, and I'm so embarrassed about that because I still don't get it. So here's the deal. We know that when, um, when we look out into space, the light that we see is older the farther out we get. So we know that that light that, what, that we're seeing happened in the past. But we also know that when we're trying to measure... Uh, the speed at which galaxies and other objects are flying away from us, we measure that redshift from the light. And we know that objects that are further away seem to be moving faster away. So it seems to suggest that the universe is expanding. If that's the case, if the light that we look at is old, couldn't it just mean that they were moving faster in the past and that the stuff that we look at is closer to us and it's moving slower? Maybe it all just blew up all at once and now it's slowing down. Is that possible, or why, why isn't that the case? So you're, you, you've raised the issue of, uh, it's called a tired light hypothesis. Because light just get tired on its way here and lose energy just from being tired for having traveled that distance. 
rather than have it be the evidence of an expansion, of an actual shift in the, so, so the fact that the spectra turns red, that's one thing. But they're actual spectral signatures of chemicals that have shifted to longer wavelengths. And if it's just light getting tired and getting more red, losing its blue, you would not expect exact shifts of features in the spectrum itself. Because that would not be a measure of what is tired. Something has to move it from this wavelength to that wavelength. That's different from a general color shift that you might find if light goes through an atmosphere. The sun gets filtered and we have red and yellow sunsets. That's half the reason why people think the sun is yellow, because it's the only time they look at it, it's on the horizon and it's yellow. But we have a white sun that got filtered on the horizon. That's a version of tired light. It had to get to us and struggle through the molecules of the atmosphere. It arrives and it has changed because of it. Oh God, this pollution is so tiring. <laughs> uh. So because other things shift, as well as the color, we, we no longer need to wonder whether it's a tired light phenomenon. You'd have to come up with some other thing that is not motion that will not only change the color, but also shift all spectral features in harmony together. You'd have to come up with some explanation, and the, mo the movement of the galaxies gets that for free. Okay. I think that's, I think that's a little that bit. Help? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully my next question year, will be a little better. His question will be even better. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Very nicely done. All right. Thank you, Andy. Uh, who is next? Who shall step to the microphone and ask a question? Uh, my name's Karam. Hey, Karam. Um, oh, okay. Um, uh, what I was thinking about is how in our entire, like, in the entire existence of the human species, now at this point, we are the manifestation of over 200,000 years of trial and error. Um, so... Mostly error. Yes, mostly <laughs> error. So I've been reading the news recently, and I've been studying a lot more history as well as I'm progressing through more advanced levels of school. Okay. Over that 200,000 years, especially in the last 2,000 years or so, have we been getting stupider or have we been getting smarter? Oh, Heather, you know what? We're eating I, I think, laundry I think Heather detergent may be the perfect person oh, to talk to great us one. about whether or not we are dumber. <laughs> uh, well, it depends on how you define intelligence. So in our evolution, um, our brains have been changing and our prefrontal cortex, which allows us to think about the future, which allows us to plan and organize and to control our innate, our impulses, right? Our animal urges, that has been growing. So in a sense, whereas other animals, because we are part of the animal kingdom, um, are very similar to us in many ways, the thing that makes humans unique is that we have the capacity to control our basic drives. We can be hungry and choose not to eat because for some greater purpose. You know, we can want to procreate and choose not to for some other reason. Speak for yourself. <laughs> so as we've developed this capacity to have self-control, it allowed us to do other things, to build, to build nations, to build countries, to think about ourselves in the future. So in that sense, I think we are becoming smarter or at least more capable in certain ways. However, we're still evolving, right? 
And so now the next big shift is how we're interacting with technology. And that's changing our brains. And we still don't understand fully how. So I think we're still evolving, and it depends on how you define intelligence, but the human species, where we're going is still unknown. And how technology is going to affect brain development over the course of time is a big question. Uh, thank you, buddy. Right, thank you very it's much. It's a great right. question. How old are you, man? I'm 13. You th get the what? 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 Now, let me just, what? Let me say two things. One. Whatever you're doing, you should keep doing. <laughs> Two, I hate you. Get out. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I gotta ask. Um, do your parents know what you're creating in your basement? No, not nothing. They I'm don't not know. doing anything illegal. Hopefully. <laughs> all right, all right, all right man. All well, right. dude, thanks for thanks for being. Hopefully, here. by all the right. time you're dead, all these problems will go away. So see ya. Yeah. Right. Or maybe we will never die. Yeah. Okay. Name and question, sir. Ian Fitchtenbaum. What's your favorite form of spacecraft propulsion? Spacecraft propulsion. And favorite full, form. And in full uh, full disclosure, I'm the director of a propulsion company, but I won't say which. Okay. There's a really cool method. Oh, I'm sorry. Did he specifically it's, it's right ask around, us to David? No sentences. Oh. Just, so, just phrases. Oh, so, you gotta solar sail. Solar sail. Solar sail. Solar from Goodspoon. Data. Uh, uh, Dark energy pulling space-time closer, jump across, push it further away again. Warp engines from Warp Jana. Engine. Neil. Farts. Warp engines. Farts? Farts. Okay, all right. Neil. Dreams. Go. Dreams, Dreams. from Jana. Okay. From, from Heather. Neil. Uh, and I agree, the warp drive from Star Trek, which we're so far away from, they're really just dreams. Okay, next one. There next you one go. Up. Thank you, sir. I'm Gav, and I'm from Louisiana. Gav? Welcome. Yeah. Nice. Louisiana. My question's for Neil. Mm -hmm. Will you please run for president? We need you, man. It's okay. The question, wait, wait, you the can question, do it. The question, ladies and gentlemen, from Gab from Louisiana. Give him a round of applause for being from Louisiana and being here. here. The question is, Neil deGrasse Tyson, will you run for president? No. <laughs> because that assumes you can swap one leader with another and all will be well in the democracy. But it neglects the fact that Whatever leader you happen to have in any moment, 60 million people voted for them. So there's the matter of the 60 million people in the electorate that any one of us as educators need to contend with, Whoa. to be concerned with, to educate, so that we all can elect people who have the wisdom, the foresight to take the future of our country into their hands. So. At the end of the day, in a democracy, it's hardly ever about the leader. It's about the electorate. Translation, I am bigger and better than the president. So <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our live Cosmic Queries. Thank you for participating. Thank you for coming to our Saturnalia party. Thank you to Jan Levin, Natalia Reagan, Dr. David Grinspoon, Heather Berlin, Dr. Heather Berlin, and Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson.